I think when you do the trek, you're doing it with so many other people as well that everyone pulls each other through. Um, but I think coming away from it as well, it's just, it's made me realise it is important to, I know I'm going back over the, the sitting down and chatting to people, but making time for yourself um, and having those conversations. <laughs> things that you didn't think you could do you actually can and it, and, it, and it does open your mind as to what you can what you are capable of doing oh, someone says it's around a thousand steps it was it ten thousand steps yeah a thousand let's go to, yeah. yeah let's go let's go ten thousand <laughs> sounds better so it's, it's, it's some kind of thousand we're gonna go with ten just because it, it was hard 1200 steps sorry this is episode 27 of the Travel Podcast, and on this episode, we talk about our charity trek to the lost city in Colombia. Welcome to the Travel Podcast. I'm Matthew from the Travel Podcast team. I'm also joined by Jules from the Travel Podcast, and we have our special guests, Lee and Louise, and also Gary, who are travel consultants working in the industry, but also came on our our trek to Colombia. Now, this is something close to all of our hearts, and it was an amazing adventure. Um, so what I'd like to start with, because we, it, was, it was a charity trek, so we're doing this to raise money for Mind and different charities. Everyone had a different cause. Um, ours from, from the Travel Podcast teams was um, Mind. And when going into this, guys, what I'm going to ask you is, what did you do for researching to see how difficult the trek was? And then we'll, what sort of training did you do um, to go around with that. So I'm going to start with Lee and Louise first. So if, if you just give us a bit of background, what, how did you prep to go on this trek? Well, we noticed that the um, rating for the trek was a five, which was apparently supposed to be as hard as climbing Kilimanjaro. So that told me all I needed to know. Um, so we started our training in February um, before we went in October and we got a personal trainer at the gym and I think we were going about five times a week. Yeah, probably. It was yeah, about that. And just doing lots of different things like cardio and strength training and um, yeah, just trying to um, be as fit as we could <laughs> in advance of climbing this yeah huge, huge mountain. I think the hardest thing was as well to doing the personal training, but actually we've been out for a few walks, obviously, but you never, you've got to put yourself in the right frame to be fit to do the trek but you can never know what it's actually going to be like until you get there um i looked at a few youtube videos uh, beforehand as well which was quite beneficial to see people's previous experiences of the trek yeah i think it was the heat wasn't it that was the thing you couldn't yeah. really prepare for but you could at least take care of the physical side no i think that's good as well like you saying go and doing a bit of research on how hard it is but also watch any videos if someone had it and their own experiences to then mentally prepare you to go right well i'll train as hard as i can but when i get there it may be you know the heat and the environment could be harder so I mentally got prepared as well Carrie how did you um set up your training for for the trek well mine was slightly different <laughs> mine was slightly different I mean I've always I used to go down the gym well most days uh used to go, go for walks four or five hour walks over the weekend so I was feeling quite chilled um I didn't think I thought and, and I didn't do too much research it's just as well I didn't but we'll come back to that anyway <laughs> and uh, so I felt quite chilled but then I had a problem with my knee I got a um, kind of osteoarthritis of the knee so, and I thought to myself, oh my word. So I had to stop training probably about six weeks before I went. So, um, but I, I thought I was relatively fit, uh, to be honest. I, I still go for walks. Um, yeah. And so I did. And when, when it, I saw it as a five, I knew it was a five. And I thought, well, it can't be that tough. It's, and it depends where you scale five, isn't it? It depends where you scale one. So 
I did. I felt it was going to be reasonably tough, but that was it. I didn't think it was going to go harder than that. <laughs> and, and Jules? Yeah, I um, did a bit. I didn't do probably as much as I should have done, to be honest. Um, again, like everyone's mentioned, it was probably the heat that we, we couldn't prepare for living in uh, cloudy UK. Um, but yeah, definitely a top tip I would give was wearing in my boots. That, that was a really good um, thing to, to get on top of. And also I did a bit of sort of uh, orienteering map reading, which kind of come in handy when, when we got to the darker stages of, of the trip. Um, but yeah, that was that was my preparation. I was a bit like um, you, Lee and Louise, in in the fact that I I started training early just to get myself fit. But I did it at a private gym, so went hard, went hard, hardcore. It, it was it was costly, but I think it, it paid off because then I got an injury like Gary when I was playing football and um, pulled my hamstring, so I couldn't train for about a month and a bit in advance. But thankfully, because I'd gone and done those private gym sessions. When I got out there, it got me got me through because I'd already prepped for it. But I, I do definitely think you need to, if you're doing anything like that, um, make sure you get 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 yourself into into shape. Whether it's doing really long walks, hard walks, doing weight, because I think that's what I found was um, when we got into it was the potential fatigue in the muscles because of the heat. But the more you get used to that in a gym or in more in tough walking situations, really helped get you through. Um, and one thing I think we all learned was uh, packing for a trek. Um, after the trek, we realized we probably needed about a, um, a third of what we all took. Um, so any any top tips after going out there with all of us had massively full bags and as soon as we got to the hotel, we then emptied those bags. Um, any tips for packing to go on any sort of trek around the world? I'll start with Jules this time. Little and lightweight. They are my two <laughs> key phrases I would like to uh, put out there. Um, yeah, we didn't need half of what we'd packed. Layers were, were a good um, thing. And then obviously we went to a hot country. So you'd need to research what the weather and things, the conditions are going to be like where you're going to do the trek. Um, yeah, as we went to Colombia, a very hot and humid climate. Um, but yeah, it's just totally enjoyed it and, and had a fantastic time. What about you, Gary? For me, I felt that the the debrief we had just before we left, if, if we had had that before, I think that would have been enormously helpful um, because, yeah, I, I, I did take too much and it was uh, half of it was probably wet coming at the end part anyway. And uh, um, it, it wasn't too bad. I wasn't too bad, but I definitely having that briefing just before we left if we'd had that before we came out I think that would have been really useful and that's probably my fault because I could have done a bit more research before I left and actually watched that but certainly layers I remember when first somebody first said to me I thought I should get loads of thick layers but of course it's just thin layers so and it's things as well as having thin layers it's actually trying to make sure you've got clothes that dry easily as well because you haven't got much time before you get back out as well yeah so yeah so that was kind of my experience really I think because we knew um we were going in wet season as well so like for example I packed this bright orange waterproof and um I only needed to have it on for two minutes to know it was a bad idea because I'm so hot just from wearing it that I thought I would actually rather get wet so I think the trick was more um quick drying material not preventing yourself from getting wet and um we were lucky in our group that um, we managed to have more sunshine than um, rain for our trekking days. So we had the benefit of letting things dry in the sun when we reached camp. But the other group I know did more trekking in the rain and I'm not sure they had the same luxury of letting their 
their items dry. So we we were definitely grateful to be lighter, like in terms of our backpacks, I, weren't we? I think, Jules, you've summed it up, little and light. That is, you know, I took I think I took T-shirts for every night thinking, you know, oh, we're going to go, we're going to go to the pub at night and enjoy ourselves. <laughs> And in reality, <laughs> to be honest, we jumped in the river most days, didn't we, to clean um, when the showers weren't free. And then I was I think I wore the same t-shirt three days running. So yeah, little and light is the uh is a good way to describe it, I'd say. Yeah, I definitely um I packed a lot of socks and that was a good thing. So keeping my feet dry as as they could be, putting your wet boots back on in the morning wasn't the best. But um oh little top tip actually, um to fill your boots if they do get wet with scrunched up newspaper and um, so I didn't have newspaper but I did have a book that I thought that I'd be relaxing of an evening and reading um, that didn't happen because I was so tired I just went to sleep and um, so yeah that book came in handy for other purposes. <laughs> the only thing I wish I had packed that I didn't was flip-flops and loads of people took flip-flops I had my trekking boots and I had my wet shoes which were both obviously really useful but at the end of the day when you were just sort of mm. Getting around yeah. and getting around the flip-flops were the key mm. I think uh, um happy feet <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely oh so we've all we all learned from our from our packing experience there so um I guess when we when we got there the first place that we visited and really encountered was Santa Marta Harry what were your thoughts on on Santa Marta well, we didn't see much of it when we first arrived there, did we? Because obviously we, we got our coach bound the hotel and um, I think we'd been flying for a few hours as well, didn't we? And I think we went up to the room. Um, certainly when, certainly seeing Santa Marta when we came back was really good to, to, to see what it was like and uh, the murals and, and uh, the graffiti, what they do. But I think going there, it was it was a nice stop because we I think we we flew off in the afternoon the following day, didn't we? So mm. we so we so we actually got to the hotel. So did we go out of the hotel? I can't remember. We come out of the we hotel. We went and got supplies. We got yes. uh, bed bug spray. And that's right. Oh yes, that's right. Items. That's what we did. Oh, because I changed, didn't I? Because I was going to go the day after. I was going to go 24 hours later, and then I got pulled forward. So um, that's right. Yeah. So my feet didn't touch the ground. So, um, <laughs> I so, so the... I had to rely... no, sorry, go. No, I had to rely on other people because um, I couldn't get a chance to get out because the time I actually said they were going to shift me onto the the group going the following morning, I didn't have a chance to go out and get anything. So I wasn't psychologically prepared, but it's probably the best thing. <laughs> Just get out there. Yeah, I, I think. I actually remember the plane journey to Santa Marta because Louise, um, with her love of flying there, with the seatbelt sign on for six hours, was a quite an interesting journey. And I think then, I think it probably took you a good few, two or three hours to shake that off in Santa Marta, didn't it? Never been more grateful <laughs> to land anywhere, I don't think, than in Santa Marta. So, yeah, it was a brilliant place. Nothing but fond memories. <laughs> it should have been on a flight with me in Canada. You'd have hated that one. It was only 45 <laughs> minutes. End up being an hour and 45 minutes. We went um, on our bit, Gary. Gary, you were going to be in our group, but then you got moved forward in with Lee and Louise. Um, but I really enjoyed getting to see Santa Marta. And I know you got you came back a day early, got to really explore it. So I thought that the it was such a interesting place to to explore and the graffiti or the, the street not graffiti. It was, yes, uh, the, yes, the street yes. art was a uh, was amazing. But I know some of you enjoyed going and getting straight out and doing the trek, whereas mm -hmm. I wanted to get out there, acclimatize, and then do it. So I was I was very happy in. In, in that fact and I think that would be my recommendation is depending upon 
where you're going and what you like to do, whether you want to get there, do it, and then come back and relax, or whether you want to get out, acclimatize, and then do the trek, make sure you do look at those options because you'll probably be able to probably be able to do that and just adjust when when you're going out. And we did have a little bit of a rest day or day and a half when once we came back um, from the trek. But that is something that I would always recommend is have a little think, see where you're going, and then plan your pre and post trek so you can relax either side um and the interesting 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 thing though matthew is when we got back i was buzzing with energy and i thought i was going to crash it was just yeah and i know there's some other people and so yeah it's an interesting thing but certainly when we came back had a good night's sleep and i was just buzzing the next day (laughs) i suppose because it's such such an achievement and that's i suppose something we should really delve into now it's the achievement of what everyone did because it's um we did the lost city trek which goes up into um a i've no idea how i still have no idea how they built it because it's older than machu picchu it's not as tall but you're going through the jungle so it's a bit of a different um test in obviously machu picchu is more altitude whereas where we with the lost city is more the humidity the heat and i love the the whole oh we'll go a little bit up then we'll be flat then we'll do a little bit more up then we'll be flat and i'm like i think you're up so a lot longer than the flats but we'll, we'll go into we'll go into the track itself no there wasn't there wasn't too much flats yeah i, I just remember that first day climbing up it was quite a big climb on the first day to get to the first camp it felt it <laughs> Yeah, and it, it really it really didn't give you a chance to break into it. You were straight into the climb. Um, but I think once you'd obviously got through that and, and your legs had got moving and stuff, um, it did set you up for the for the rest of the trek. It, I think if if you were eased into it gently, it might have been slightly harder along the way then, but no, straight in. Yeah, I think... I was uh, always interested to watch Gary in front of me as well with his sticks. It was just powering uh, along, along, like not even looking at the rocks below his feet. No, you're a machine, Gary. <laughs> I, I enjoyed... Um, I don't know if you, what about you guys, and I enjoyed the journey up because we obviously, to get from Santa Marta to the start of the Lost City trek, you if the go inland a bit and then the, you have a i'd relate to it as if anyone's been to the alps is getting up to a resort in the alps so it's a bit very slow transfer a bit ziggy zaggy um stunning scenery going round, but you're looking at oh is this this is a bit narrow and then all of a sudden we came into a little village mm. how did how's this been built in here and then, you know, we had some, that's where we met our guys. We did it with G Adventures and then we had the indigenous guides, which I think was a massive benefit. And um, they are superhuman because I think they could get to the lost city within a day uh, or there and back. And it took us four days to get there and back. Um, but they, they're ridiculous. But again, I think that was a great insight to what the food's going to be like. And it was great that we had the indigenous community there that would then take us through their lands. Um, and as you said, the first day was straight up. Um, we did it in, you mentioned your group got sunshine. Um, our group, didn't we, um, Jules? We had sunshine for the first bit, which was that massive incline. Which, which we, we didn't we, want sunshine we, for. Which we didn't want sunshine. <laughs> we got up to the camp where, I believe, you camped for the first night, which we were. Yeah. Um, and it was just searing heat. So, again, that I do I, I do agree with you, Lee, in the fact that really gets you into it. And we stopped there for lunch, and it, it was a great place to start, again, at the top of a mountain. The views were stunning. Um, and you're thinking, right, next bit's just downhill. Um, and I'll, I'll hand over 
to Lee and Louise because obviously you stayed there. So is that Scorpion Gate? <laughs> that was Scorpion Gate. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, Matthew, I mean, when we got to that camp, I think one of the best things about the whole trek in general is that don't worry about taking your phones with you because you actually have to talk to people. And this is the, it was great to actually spend five days after the walk in the day talking to people about various stuff but it's something i've seen general life nowadays we rely on social media technology um but going back to the scorpion thing Matthew. yeah so the first morning in that first camp we woke up about what was it about three o'clock gary wasn't yeah, it i think like five five o'clock it's dark it's dark still um i've literally taken my trousers off the the front um, fence next to me and put them on and then felt a little sting in my finger at which point louise shone her head torch down and uh, on my belt was a, a massive scorpion and then the uh, you know I, i'm trying to build this up into the massive pain going into my arm at which point i did think i'm gonna die in the Colombian jungle um, so I, I had to get the scorpion off you i think that was the bravest part <laughs> Yeah. It was up to me to get it off and then run around the camp shouting for Maria, our guide, to ask if Lee was about to die or if he was just going to be in discomfort for the um, for the day. Luckily, it was the latter. I, I must say, the best thing about it for me is when that happened after we were we were barely there 24 hours, is that I thought nothing else can be as bad as getting stung. But I just enjoyed watching everyone check their shoes and their socks and their trousers every morning. But I thought the likelihood it's going to happen to me again is uh, one in a million chance. So, yeah, good to watch everyone else like worry. <laughs> I was going to say, like, my top tip about the uh, ripping up my book, you could, that would uh, that also works for deterring the scorpion. So also <laughs> put them in your pockets when you're hanging up your uh, <laughs> your trousers to avoid yeah. any uh, scorpion sting. <laughs> How was how was your first night, Gary, and in, in camp? It, it was yeah, it was it was interesting. I mean, um, sleeping in a bunk bed where there was rows and rows of bed, and just waking during the night and hearing people, it was it was a bit bizarre. Um, I think it's fair to say that the the bathroom facilities were um, were a bit sparse, <laughs> <laughs> and and it, and it, it takes you kind of the first day to get used to it. Once you're used to it, and think right, okay, this is obviously what it's going to be like for the rest of the time as well. It was, yeah, the first the first day was kind of a kind of a lot of adjusting, really. Um, you know, packing your bags and making sure you know what you're taking out, what you put in, and, and it really was. It was kind of a, it was it was a, yeah, it was it was certainly good the first day because you learn so much and you take that with you as each day goes on. But certainly packing your bag really important because um, otherwise it just gets a mess, it gets wet and everything else. Um, yeah, so so yeah, it was a good experience the first day, but it was um, going to bed so early and getting up so early was 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 interesting as well. Yeah, where you camped the first night is where we stopped for well, is where we stopped for lunch, and that's where we thought, well, this this isn't we've done the hard bit. It's downhill from here. We've had lovely sunshine. Uh, we're all very buoyant, and yeah. and that's the. So we had it very different. Obviously, Lee had his um, after the first day was scorpion stinging him, mm. and that obviously get, that gets everyone switched on. And obviously, your experience. And we're in a jungle, so you know everything is going to be very basic, and that's what you you expect. And like Lee mentioned, it's great because you're not on your phones; you're just talking no. to people. Basics is a great detox um, for mm. your minds and everything. So I've really enjoyed that. For I'd say our um, Everest was the second half of our first day, which was post lunch into um into the evening and i really enjoyed it i don't think anyone else in my group really enjoyed it but i thought it was great fun um jules i'm gonna let jules start with our lovely slip and slides 
um, after lunch? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Um, I'd like to do a little shout out at this point, if that's all right, to the Richardsons, because uh, they very kindly lent me their polls. And um, I don't think I'd be here today without them. Um, it was sort of like, I mean, I've done like traversing before, so it was kind of like walking in a river um, in the dark. Um, obviously, my head torch was right at the bottom of my bag, which I didn't want to open because it was raining quite heavily. So I just thought we all sort of followed um, Ben, who did have a head torch, <clears throat> bless him, and he sort of uh, shone it where we needed to go and then back to check that we we're all still with him. Um, but yeah, it was quite interesting, let's say, but um, a bit of a challenge, but we, I think the sense of achievement that we got, I think when we got back into camp and, and uh, Lee Louise and Gary's group were all there, and th I think we could see that they were a little bit concerned and the clapping and everything, the, the sort of hero's welcome we received uh, was just so lovely. Um, and I think it's brought us all sort of closer together as a group anyway. Yeah, I think I think that was was good. I, I love the challenge. Um, I was prepared, so I got my head torch out, even though it was raining. Um, obviously, Jules just jumped onto Ben. But I also had a few... Uh, I also had a few people following me and it it, it it was really tough underfoot but and it's not we just want to say this doesn't normally happen it was just unfortunate a storm rolled in and stayed in it was only meant to come in and go um after like an hour like normally with a tropical storm in the jungle so don't think this is a regular occurrence this is the first time it's ever happened on the lost city trek and fortunately it happens with us um so so we all got down and like Jules said it is i think the sense of achievement and it, it was quite nice where uh, unfortunately that storm had, had um meant the the group that were in front of us so gary lee louise and the rest of their group uh, couldn't move on to the next um, point. So we caught up with them, but it was great because again, we got to have that camaraderie with each other and each evening, because they would set off a little bit earlier than us from this point going forward. And we would set off a little bit after them, but it meant once you got back in, you'd go and have a good conversation, see how everyone else's experience was going through through the day, mm. which we wouldn't have had until we got back to, um, back to Santa Marta. So I think it, it did actually turn out to be, to be really good. And, I know, Lee, you mentioned earlier about the, the rivers. We didn't get to swim in any rivers because we were always coming in a little bit later. But how refreshing were those after your long walks each day? How refreshing was it to get into the river? Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, it was just like so relaxing as well. Um, we all had a good laugh in there. I remember um, one of the guys jumping in from quite high up and losing his GoPro, which was... Uh, I don't think you found it funny, but we all found it quite funny at the time. <laughs> yeah, it was just really nice, so hot, and you would just take your, the best bit was taking your shoes off, and then you'd put your swimmers on, and you'd go sit in the shallow part of the river, and it was icy cold, which under normal circumstances would not be my thing, but you were just so grateful for the um, the feeling of cooling down, and you just kind of sit in the shallows and let the sunshine on you and um, you could have been anywhere in the world. Like it was, that was an amazing, feeling. such a great experience, isn't it? You're in the, you're just in the middle of nowhere, and you're in this, in this water, just relaxing. Like yeah, like Louise said, you could be anywhere. And it's just a, a really nice feeling. And then you realise you got to do it all again the next day and get all those hills again. <laughs> And, and on that, obviously, we we touched on earlier about we had lunch in the, in the village when we started. What? How did you find the food um, on the trek? So, Gary, starting with you, how did you find the food? <clears throat> it's, it's interesting you mentioned food because I was thinking about it earlier. 
I actually kind of lost my appetite. To be honest, all I wanted was cold water. Um, the food was the food was good, um, but I knew I had to eat because obviously that's the only way I was going to get my energy. Um, but I bet they did so well with the food to get it all ready for us and everything else. But I didn't really have a great appetite, but I knew I had to eat because if I didn't eat, and then I would have lost, you know, I wouldn't have had the energy. So yeah, it was obviously a bit bland at times, but it, I was more interested in cold water or a beer. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a, um, but, but I've got to say they looked after us really, really well with the food. And of course, the people, the cooks, they're the ones who obviously came with us. They're the ones who left and then just walked straight past us and just like a they walk in the park. Us, really. <laughs> like a, a walk in the park for them. I know. So, so yeah, it was a, yeah, but yeah, I, di- I did feel I lost my appetite, but I did, I did have to eat. Jules? I love the food. <laughs> I mean, I love any food anyway, to be honest. Um, but, I just found it was really needed and, and wanted when I got there. I guess I'm only little, so I need to eat little and often. But um, yeah, it definitely gave you the energy buzz. And like uh, Louise was saying, it was just incredible. These girls in jeans and a T-shirt and normal trainers, and they would leave sort of same time as us, but with all the pots and pans, and they'd be up. You get to your, to your stop of, of lunch, and it'll be ready for you. So they were the real heroes. I think the cooks on the on the trek. Yeah, the food food was amazing. I I thought the food was better on the trek than it was back at the Hilton in Santa Monica. Um, the memory that sticks out for me uh, was that one particular day when we were trudging uphill and we've got like walking poles and backpacks and trekking shoes like all the gear and then I just remember this one morning this mum and her little girl who was maybe five trotting past us like the little girl was like skipping and jumping with her Dora the Explorer backpack and her (laughs) juice box and she was walking to school and that was as, as complicated as it was. She had not even trainers, like little sandals on. And she was making light work of this climb. And we were all there like huffing and puffing and thinking we were exploring like the deepest, darkest jungles of Colombia. And this little one was like, I'm just off yeah. to school. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think that's a, is a great point. I really enjoyed learning about the cultures and how they still live there and how obviously well geoadventure is actually using indigenous guides so they're putting back into the economy so it's a way of them funding so i know we walked through one bit which was flat maybe the only flat the flattest bit of the, uh, the track i remember which was just you came down a really steep um it reminded me a bit like the giant's causeway in Ireland, where it was just these boulders where you're coming jumping down and then it went flat and it's opened up into um a, a valley which was just all long grass and then the indigenous people saying well actually this is where a lot of uh, during the cocaine days uh, this is where well, these were all cocaine fields and then the government mm. came in burnt all the cocaine fields um and it's, it's just how deep it is in there can you can understand how they got away with with growing it there but the indigenous people now are using tourism to help fund and grow and keep their traditions alive which i think is massive and one of the best most beneficial things about doing these uh these treks and as you mentioned the the cooks were unbelievable the guides were unbelievable and they were actually warriors when they were getting around the place um i know one person ended up helping carry someone else's um backpacks because they couldn't and just had three or four and and just no problem um but i really enjoyed the, the culture and i think when we got up to the lost city 
um, which is pretty much, well, I'd say, oh, someone says I think it's around 1,000 steps. Is it 10,000 steps? Yeah, 1,000. Let's go 10,000. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go, let's go 10, <laughs> Sounds better. Let's go 10,000. So it's, it's, it's some kind of 1,000. We're going to go with 10 just because it, it was hard. Um, and it's just a, 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 we had to cross the river, which Jules, I know you, you found very interesting with your height. Um, try, <laughs> so we, we almost lost Jules, unfortunately. But then we had um, this incline. And when I got to the top, again, we, we met up with you guys who were a little bit ahead of us. But when we got to the top, I was just taken, I was taken aback at the foot, like what I'd like to call the false horizon and thought, wow, this is impressive. How, how did you all find when we got up to the lost city? Yeah, I think um, for going back quickly to the steps as well, Matthew, see, it's amazing how this, I was thinking after this long trek, you know, it's going to be all these steps, like you're just going to walk up a set of steps, but it is like you've just said, a climb. Um, so you have to be quite careful as you climb. I know a few of the guys actually ran up there. So when I say careful, I think there was some competition going on. But when you get to the top, I mean, I didn't realise, well, I didn't think in my mind how big it would actually be as well up there, the lost city. I mean, we must have walked around there, what was it, for probably a couple of hours, wasn't it? When we actually got to walk around the whole site. Um, but again, it's one of those moments. It's very hard to describe until you've done it, but it just does take your breath away. It's really emotional, yeah. I think. It was, you got to the top and realised, like, for group one, I think we'd been going three or four days. We only had, like, one more night to go. And you suddenly remembered the reason you were there, like the charity you were supporting and the personal reasons that were behind that. And I found it really overwhelming just to get there and think I'd actually done that. And we'd, we'd done what we set out to achieve. And it had been the hardest thing we'd ever done. But equally, that rewarding feeling was like nothing I've ever experienced before. Um, and then, of course, when we were up there, we were just so lucky that that was the one day of the month where the, um, the military were getting all their supplies flown in and this huge helicopter flies in out of nowhere lands on top of the lost city and all the soldiers start unpacking their supplies to keep them going for another month and that was like no one gets to see that it was amazing Gary yeah I found I found in the um those steps because sometimes you say oh you know going up a thousand or ten thousand steps I mean that it's, it's not like normal steps and that was obviously quite a uh, quite a challenge itself and of course it was a bit damp in places but I, I felt as soon as we got to the top of the first set of steps, I thought, oh, my God, we're there. But of course, we're not there, are we? We have to go up quite several more layers and layers. But it is when you, yes, yeah, and like Louise, it's when we got to the very top, we were sitting down for a while and saw us in the helicopter. And it was, it was, it does take you back because because obviously we couldn't move anywhere because the helicopter was there. And it, and it was giving us all time to reflect where we had come from and where we were there. And, a, um, and it happened, I don't know, because it's full on every day, it, 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 you need sometimes to sit back and reflect and think, blimey, have we done that in that many days or what have we done in those few days? Because it's because ever since we, you know, Santa Marta the following morning, we're on the trek and it was just constant right the way through. So it was. And I think I, I felt it just the sitting back and reflecting when we were actually sitting and watching the helicopter and everything all around and thinking, my word, this is a, uh, this is quite something, you know, what we have achieved. Because if I had seen, I've said it before, if I had actually seen how challenging it was before I'd come, I would have question myself as to whether I could have done it so um, so yeah that's an achievement in itself there Gary yeah 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 definitely I think I was just drawn by the the peace and the serenity that I felt uh, in the lost city um like um Lou was saying it was it was quite overwhelming I didn't really expect to have any of those feelings really to be honest and it felt like quite a spiritual place um mm. 
I know that uh, one of my favourite pictures that I took when I was there was at that moment when we did reach the top and um, Grim was doing some meditating on, on the rock. And to me, that, that image just personified the whole how I felt in that moment, just very at peace. And, and I actually did a little video on Facebook. Um, obviously, you couldn't post it because you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, but like looking back on it, and I can see even the emotion when I'm talking to myself obviously but um I can I can see how how it did affect me and I just think I've taken that away with me and even though it's nearly a year since we we went I still look back on it so fondly I was just overwhelmed in the fact of the size of it and obviously I mentioned like the thoughts when you get to the top of the stairs you then go and start to explore and then you go up some more steps not 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 as many um but at the bottom of those steps which I found wanderers is our indigenous guide um talks us through there's this one giant stone there which the indigenous people use as a map of the um, Colombian mountains, and then they would use that as a guide and be like, here's this bit down this rock is the river that which flows down through here. This is where the lost city is. They, It was amazing that they, they'd put that stone, which they thought, when I say stone, the boulder was huge, <laughs> um, in the middle of the lost city, which they could use as a guide to get them around their mountains, and how for them it was uh, almost like meccas, where people would come from all the different um, villages tribes to talk discuss how they're going forward what they're what's going on in their communities um they, they describe themselves as the four as the the stool the, the legs of the chair so there was these four different tribes indigenous tribes mm-hmm. and how they all have to work together and this is the heart of um the world and there is their job to look after the heart and they fear if something gets moved or remo- and there's there could be something like a big storm it's because they haven't done something so they get together to work out what have they done why has there been a forest fire why has this storm come in um so i, I found it very very interesting and in how they use that and they still go there to this day to have their um tribal meetings and uh, mm. yeah that really blew me away as well and i've learning how and also just how they built it it's like how have they built this because like like i said you just kept getting bigger and bigger like we go up these next set and then it opens up to where the helicopter landed and then the um the 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 towers up the hills and you're like how have they done this and then we thought okay well that's it we as we were coming back down we went into another area like what and they i believe they 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 think they've only discovered maybe about 30 percent of the actual lost city the rest of it's still under the jungle canopy but i was just yeah i like you got, I was just blown away. And I think, it, again, you come to the middle parks, obviously everything now is just going back to civilization. And you're just looking back at the journey that's got you there, how peaceful it is, thinking of the, the history and culture that's been there before you and what they would have done, how they built this. And it's just inspiring, I think. It's just, yeah, massive inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it was great that we were then able to do a great big photo together and then see Absolutely. that right at the top together. Whereas, again, we would have yeah. missed each other if, if we hadn't, if you hadn't got held up. So I think it all came, really came together, even though mm-hmm. we, we came through a storm and you got held up by that storm. It was meant to be. Uh, that was a jungle, yeah. making sure we were there so we could get to the lost city. Um, but yeah, I, I just, yeah, I was taken away. Um, and did you on the way down get to meet the um, the Jules? Uh, I'm going to say this wrong. It was not. It wasn't the shaman that we met. Can you remember? So it was the priestess of the indigenous people that look after the, like, the caretakers of the lost city. So we came oh, down by the, by the hut. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They um they showed us the huts because 
like each tribe had their um it was like the male leader and the female leader one of them was called a momar i think and they had to have different hats and they explained the differences between how you could tell if it was a male hut or a female hut um and yeah just what their role was in looking after the village and um yeah she she was there wasn't she she came out and our guide was um sort of sharing their um role in their um what they're there to do so it was that was amazing and any obviously because our journey now is from the from leaving the lost city is just all the way just going back so i know a lot of people are thinking right we've done this this is brilliant now we're going back and we can have obviously gary like cold beer um so and then you're so you're looking at getting forward to enjoying a cold beer by the beach in santa marta i'd say i mean just just before then i i found probably the biggest challenge for me, and it was huge, um, was actually going down the steps. And that was, and I was so, I've got to say, I was so out of my comfort zone. And I probably did half of it sitting on my behind, dropping down yeah. that way because they were so narrow. And um, yeah, I, that that was, that was yeah definitely um, the most challenging and so, so out of my comfort zone going down steps because with the knee as well, so steep and so narrow some of the steps were. But, but certainly 1, as we got- 1,200 steps. But it was but but the weird thing is you saying going back to the hotel, I remember the last night and and I was thinking, oh this is weird, we're gonna be in a hotel tomorrow night. And it that, that felt bizarre in itself. So part mm. of me wanted and the mother part of me thinking, this is it's just yeah, it's just a peculiar it's just a strange feeling coming I think it was a strange feeling that it was coming to an end and that we were mm-hmm. actually gonna be in a, a well, what was a luxury hotel to what we've been used to in the last four nights. And, um, and how do you so how do you find that as well, Lee and Louise? Like obviously because again, I think going out because you don't know how far in between stations although it's hard you're like okay well it's, it's not that much further whereas you, when you're coming back and you're going up a hill you're like oh i'm only a third of the way up this hill so i was like mm-hmm. oh great i've got another another 45 minutes of this um how was your mentality coming back i know jules and i have a i know jules excited to talk about our last night in the jungle no, as a group um but well, Lily, how did you find it i quite liked how it how it panned out in the end where we only had one night i think on the way back we would have had two had we stuck to our schedule so for me I was like right lost city tick let's get home and there was just the one night then to um between us and civilization rather than um I think you guys had that extra night and I really enjoyed then it was like right one step closer to home let's just keep going um and we had this um amazing last meal like we had a really nice lunch up at the last camp didn't we yeah um they we got to pre-order what we wanted so i think there was like things like southern fried chicken all this amazing food that obviously we'd been um on basic rations before them so that was really I think, fun. I think going out as well, when you're doing the trek to the Lost City, obviously you've got no expectations of where the next checkpoint is or, you know, your surroundings. But on the way back, obviously, you start seeing points that you've been past. Obviously. Mm. I think um, we, uh, on the way back, I mean, we kind of, I, I remember we were in the, the group at the front, Gary, there, and we kind of seemed to march the whole way back to the beginning. Um, and I just remember getting back to that very first camp we'd stayed in on the way up. And they gave us that piece of cake. Mm. And it that's was right. like a piece of cake we never yeah, had. That's right, we did. We did. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, because because you and you, your longest day was your penultimate day, and yeah. our longest day was our our first day. Um, yeah. So you did that on the way. So I think that would have been that must have been hard because every other day up until then has been a bit of a shorter journey. Whereas we started with that long journey, so everything else is sort of broken up a little bit more. But I I agree in heading heading back. Uh, my most interesting bit was the bit that we did in the dark because we didn't actually see any of the beauty of it. We were just coming down in pitch black, occasionally getting lit up by lightning um, so you could see. But when I went back up it, I was like, um, yeah, I'm really shocked how no one got injured because some of the turns, which I had no idea, you, you know, a foot to your right was a sheared cliff. But obviously, because you're so concentrated what's in front of you, you have no idea. So if you had just carried on walking, you would have gone off a cliff. Um, so I found that the most, that was very interesting coming back up that. And how about you, Jules? I think we um, underestimated the value of the guides, or I certainly did prior prior to going. I thought, you know, they'll give us some, some nice little insights into the local culture and their own sort of stories, but they were integral to the safety and and the whole experience. I mean, the things their their insights really did keep keep you going as such, and it was nice to to get the little drop offs and the little bits of information dropped through, and it just made it part of. It, it wasn't very Tory as such, but it just felt very natural, the conversations that you had with them. And because we were split into the two groups, it meant, I guess, you got a bit more time with your Indigenous guide and could ask those questions. And uh, you built up quite a rapport with them. And I think at the end, we all considered them friends uh, when we were back at the hotel and, and sort of celebrating them and how great they were and, and also at keeping us going and, and keeping the positive spirit. Um, I think they they were integral to to it, all the Indigenous guys. I, I just want to say, our, our last night in the jungle was hysterical. We were, we were, it was like a sleepover when you're eight or six, we just couldn't stop giggling. But I think that was like, that sort of bonds that you built and the fact you've been in a jungle with people for five days, you got back and it was just silly little things like someone... Someone would start laughing and everyone else would start laughing because you could see them struggling to get into their bunk bed. And I thought maybe it might have been a bit of delirium or just joy, the fact that the next day you're walking, that, you know, that's the last bit, the last little jaunt down into the village to get your, your transfer home. But we must have annoyed the people that had just arrived and then they were trying to sleep and we were just all laughing in hysterics for about half an hour. But I think, that, again, I think that was one of the best, best parts because it just showed how together everyone was um and and really brought everyone together so yeah i really thought that was great and we did have a big party with everyone back in santa marta which was nice as well again um it was great when we got back there was people from the first group came out to say how was it how do you find it what was your journey back like and again connecting i think that was one of my things about any kind of trek or um tour like this is the camaraderie that is built between people that have gone on it and you've got that bond which is you know, being able to go through something that is, like you mentioned earlier, Gary, if you'd watch a video, I can't do that. Whereas you've mm -hmm. gone and achieved something, there's so much achievement within the group. Mm -hmm. Being able to do that, I think, is being part of that is something special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was yeah, a, a massive achievement. It was a massive achievement. And, you know, I can, I, 
number of times I can think of when you're climbing, you're just having to put your leg up much higher and so you can just tilt the whole weight forward so you can move forward. And you think, how the hell did I do that? And you look up and you think, oh, I've got quite a way to go yet. It, it is, when you think of things like it is just, yeah, I mean, what everybody has achieved as well, you know, not just yourselves, is what the whole team achieved was just unbelievable. It, it was very challenging in times. And to think back, you know, I think that was just amazing. It was just amazing. What you were saying there, again, what, what I said earlier, Matthew, the camaraderie and how you connect as a group. It's great that you are in the jungle. You don't have access to mobile phones or any social media that you do really start connecting with people and you just, you know, you sit there playing games and having a laugh and talking about each other. It's, um, yeah, it was brilliant. It was really good for that. And I think that was, that's one of the things when you come back to normal life. I remember for ourselves when we got back and got phone signal and you start getting all these messages coming through and you're like, oh, bloody hell, you kind of, you didn't miss this for a few days. It's kind of nice to be. Yeah, we didn't yeah. want to turn up with that, did we? No. I think everyone's experience was slightly different, but also very together in, I think it's a life-changing experience doing something like that. From it, would you would you ever go and do one of these again? And what would you say to someone thinking of going to do one? So we'll start with Jules. 100%. I'd go tomorrow. Um, really loved it. Um, I, I would say to anyone that is thinking about doing a trek, just to really do your research and and get your fitness level to where you think, actually get it past where you think you want to be so that you can really just enjoy it. Um, I think there were perhaps some people that hadn't done as much research or maybe struggled with it a little bit more. Um, and it did impact their experience. So I think maybe if, if you were able to just do a lot of preparation and make sure that you're as fit as you can be um but yeah i'd go tomorrow you getting one organized matthew yeah yeah well, yeah once we can all travel again i'm i'm, I'm there um well let's well, be fair we could do a 24-hour walk down the perbeck so we fine lee louise yeah I'd, i personally would i would do something again and we thought this would be the start of us doing our annual challenge of of some sort i think for 2020 it's going to be we climb snowden weekend i think that's going to be as challenging as this year gets but i'd like our next challenge to maybe be somewhere cold to get the difference in climate because we've done the hot sweaty stuff so let's do the wrap up warm stuff next it was Snowden not cold it was cold at the top but we managed to get really sunburnt on the way up so yeah. not quite the same in the in the first camp we were in, actually, we were talking to someone from another group, a completely separate group, and I think there'd been someone that had done the, the Lost City trek previously and hadn't done enough training, like you said, Jules, to enjoy it and appreciate it. And they went back and, and did it again the second year with the training. And like you said, Matthew, there's so much to learn about the culture as well that you want to enjoy the trek, but you want to take all the information in. So I think, yeah, like, again, what Jules said, make sure you over overcompensate for what you're doing training wise and don't just think you want to get by otherwise you won't enjoy it as much as you you can do mm. Gary yeah and, and it's and it's interesting you say that because getting that balance right on it was tough um and probably everybody found it tough but also finding the time to to actually admire what's around you because I know there were times when um when it was probably I found it a bit tougher especially going down 
going down the hill and not having the opportunity to actually take in what's around me. Um, but certainly, I would. I was once I get my knee sorted, I would do it again. Um, I think probably it would be nice if it wasn't so far in travelling to get there to start it and the, tra the travelling back. But saying that, we had a good time when we went to Toronto on the way back, but it was still a long time until we actually got back home again. But it was a, um, yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. But it was, it was great. And um, so the next, yeah, the next time it's, it's me taking in more of what's around me. Because every time we stopped at a camp, everybody was younger than me. So yeah, but, yeah, it was good. It was good. You love you love that though, Gary. Don't 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 say you didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I would yeah, I would just reiterate again. I went I went hard on 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 training like a lot of people did, just because I knew the the heat and humidity is something you can't train for. To be fair, it depends on where you're listening in the world. Um, if you're in somewhere like Florida or anywhere in the tropics that does have the humidity for you, you can just train train normally and you'll get used to that. But for anyone in Europe, this humidity, I think if you're not used to that, um, it's all about it's the mentality because if you've done that training, it, it, you can only do so much. Nothing's really going to training-wise, unless you've done something like it before, it's, it's then down to your mentality and you've got to believe that your body will get you through and it will be hard, but it's, you've got to be amazed how much... Uh, your body can actually do and I think that's another thing that a lot of people mm. found at the end of it is well actually wow I can't believe I did that I never thought I would and it's like well that's what the human you know humans can do um, and your body can take you there but you've got to be mentally strong as well to to make sure when you go through these difficult times just to press on um, so that'd be my thing is that even through the hard times don't worry it's going to be hard but you can get through it and lean on your teammates to help you, but not physically because they may fall down the hill, but, um, well, mountain, but yeah, um, uh, that'd be my one. And then I know you were giving your tips earlier about, um, packing. I only took two pairs of socks, which on the first day when we got drenched, um, I, it took three days for m one pair of socks to dry because of the humidity. So definitely take extra socks and flip flops are key. Cause at nighttime, you know, if you put your flip flops in, there's nowhere for, scorpions to hide um but <laughs> yeah I, yeah i just think it is a great experience and we'll definitely do a one in the colder regions for you louise in the future um and yeah i think we've, we've covered so much and one 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 final thing from jules i just wanted to know what everyone had, had taken away from it so i guess we've had a lot of time now to reflect back and um, we went in october 2019 but just gary what have you seen that it's changed you since coming back at all or do you think you just rolled back into sort of how you were? I think it's, I think just picking up on what Matthew said, it's things that, um, I mean, that was obviously more the physical side, things that you didn't think you could do, you actually can. And it, and, and it does open to mind as to what you can, what you are capable of doing. Um, and it's like everything is trying to apply that as well. Um, but it's constantly, it, it, I do reflect on it a lot. And, and probably and and probably I do use it because if you do apply yourself, you, you you are actually capable of a lot more than what you think you are. Yeah, that's great. What about you, Lee and Louise? Well, when I signed up to do the trek, I nearly didn't sign up because I am terrified of spiders. And I thought, why are you voluntarily pushing yourself in the middle of the jungle in rainy season where you're basically going to go hang out with a bunch of spiders? And I, I swear I was I was crying as I typed my um, like application to, to join up. I just thought, what are you doing? Um, and that I thought was going to be harder than um, anything physical. Like I thought physical, just train for that. It's the mental thing about the, the spiders. But I think I saw two spiders the whole time we were there and neither <laughs> of them 
me. So that was not the issue. Um, but I'm just so glad that when I was, my brain was screaming at me not to do something that I thought, no, this will be good for me and I should do it anyway. And I never regretted it, never once. I'm so glad I did it anyway. That's I'm still true. scared. <laughs> still scared of spiders. <laughs> yeah, she still is. She's still scared. Yeah, I think, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's it's like anything in life, isn't it? It's a bit of a mindset thing as well. I think um, that was that was the initial challenge to um, to kind of get through that. I think when you do the trek, you're doing it with so many other people as well that everyone pulls each other through. Um, but I think coming away from it as well, it's just, it's made me realise it is important to, I know I'm going back over the, the sitting down and chatting to people, but making time for yourself um, and having those conversations, because we do rely so much on social media and, and things like that, that sometimes you can just put it to one side and, and take a moment for yourself to, to enjoy what's around you. I know we did quite a few walks here, didn't we, in the UK for a training um, and there's so many things to explore that you don't really realise what's out there. You know, it wouldn't be a thing I would have thought of doing in the past, a trip to the Lost City. You've got your your normal holidays, your beach holidays and things like that. But, yeah, it's certainly something like Louisa said, we'll be looking to do again. Um, and uh, maybe a different, like you said, Matt, a different challenge next time, see what you can rustle up. I guess I took away um, the sort of how materialistic maybe I was. Um, and then spending four or five days in the jungle where, yeah, you're not checking your phone. And like Lee says, there's no social media. You just chat to people. Um, and, yeah, I came away actually quite refreshed in that I didn't have this connection with my phone. And I feel like I have brought that on with me and, and continued that. And I think we, got, we need to sort of mention that this was the first, we were the first ever corporate group to embark on a trek to the, to the Lost City. Um, so it was unknown territory for the organisers, the Indigenous guides and us guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was all just positive um, experiences that everyone had their own different achievements that they, that they accomplished. I think for me, it was, again, like I said, it's more about getting out more in the UK as well. So even within the training, we did some, we did a couple of walks, not as many as we probably should do. But now during this time when we've been locked down, because I've been on that walk, I've, I'll go for long walks. So I'll just go and have a wander around down by the beach or into the woods or just because, again, it's that it brings back elements of the lost city. But I think some people wouldn't know. Like, I'll just go. I'll just go. I so I'll just got to stay at home. So I think it's it's in mean, that mentality. Even during this time of going, oh, it could be easy to stay inside. I've got that. Let's go out and explore. Um, but I think that's one thing. Again, it's really putting uh, the bug back into me to go out and do some exploring around the world and do some different types of holidays. Obviously, still do the normal ones, but really get out and into the unknown areas of the world to to see what it's really like with the local cultures still. So that was that was my big takeaway. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you all for joining us today and sharing uh, your experiences and reminiscing. We always love doing it. Uh, Jules and I. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Liam Weeze, and thank you, Jules. Thank you. Thank you. The Travel Podcast is sponsored by Not Just Travel, where it's not just travel, it's a way of life. We hope you liked this podcast. And if you did, please tell your friends, but also take a moment to rate us on iTunes as it helps spread the word. Thanks for listening.